recording in progress. Yeah, you go. You're stealing it off me. I like I it. I am. <laughs> how's, uh, how's things? All good? All good. Very good. Very busy. We're very close to some holidays. Hopefully this podcast will be out around the time of summer holidays or the beginning of it. Yeah, I've been so busy. The only film I've seen is Asteroid City, which this is terrible to say. I was very, very tired when I went to watch it. And I fell asleep at times during the film, which is (laughs) very, like, I never, ever do that. So it was one of those ones where I thought, I woke up, I think I missed like 10 minutes. I thought, oh my God, I can't, I can't now give an actual opinion on this film because I've missed bits. Yeah. So I, I don't think it helped my whole view of the film in general because I was so tired. I normally really like Wes Anderson's films, but I found it a bit boring. So that's, yeah, that's the only that's thing. That's your I, review. That's my review. <laughs> I, found, I, found I found it a bit boring. It, I found it a bit boring. I genuinely did. I mean, I know it had an amazing cast. I think you've got to be in the right mood for those films. Mm, I don't especially think I was... if you're tired. It's, oh, yeah, it's a comfy quite, seat. You get all like, you got your food and drink, you get all cozy and yeah. Then sometimes, exactly. sometimes I've had a little, a little kip, a mini kip for like two minutes. <laughs> well, more, it's hap- it's, I must admit it happens more and more these days. I do it more at home, definitely. Yeah. It's a lot mm. harder to fall asleep during Mission Impossible though. Yeah. I don't think I've watched any films. I probably have. Sometimes I come off this and think, oh, I did watch a film and I forgot to mention it. And I'm sure I'm, that is the case. I think I have watched a film, but I can't remember what it was. But I have also watched the whole series of Silo, the first series of Silo. I think it's like going it. to be an, another series with Rebecca Ferguson. It's on Apple Plus. And yeah, Rebecca Ferguson, Common, Tim Robbins, David Ullio. He's at the start of the film, but uh, really good. Nice sci-fi. And I'm not going to say much about it because I don't want to give too much away, but I highly recommend the TV series anyway. Oh, uh, so Apple okay. Plus. Any films? Mm, no, don't think so. Well, if that's the case, I think we should move swiftly along to the quiz. Swiftly. Yes, go on then. And because one of the films we're reviewing this week is mm-hmm. Mission Impossible. I thought I would put together a Tom Cruise quiz. I knew you were going to do Tom yes, Cruise. I would have done Tom Cruise myself, and I'm going to be terrible at this, I'm sure. I bet there's loads of Tom, there was loads of Tom Cruise films. I know, it's but go ridiculous. On, go for it. Yeah, okay. It wasn't going to be on Bob Hoskins then. <laughs> no, I know. Exactly. And I probably wouldn't have got any of them if it was Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Okay, here we go. So Cruz received his first Academy Award nomination for what film? Multiple choice here. Is it Magnolia, Rain Man, Born on the Fourth of July, or Jerry Maguire? His first one, you're saying? Um, yeah, his first Academy. Born on the Fourth of July. Correct. Yay! Did he get it? I thought he won that as well. No, he didn't. He's never. He didn't. He's, he's oh, never right. won a best actor. But he, I think I he should have. I think. He yeah. Okay. Question number two: Cruz mm-hmm. starred with his second wife Nicole Kidman in how many films? Was it one, two, three, or four? There was Days of Thunder. There was Far Away. And I think that's it. Two, three. Oh, what was the other one? Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, right. Okay, I haven't seen that one. That's probably why. (laughs) Okay, number three. In Vanilla Sky, David Arms, or Armas, the character played by Tom Cruise, falls in love with his best friend's girlfriend, 
Who was she played by? We were talking about this film. I know, I know. I can't remember whether want, you said you'd I want seen to say, it. Or not. I want to say, I want to say Cameron Diaz, but it's probably not. It's Penelope Cruz, is it? Penelope Cruz. It is. Oh, <laughs> you're right, because Cameron Diaz was Diaz the other. Diaz was in Night was and Day. No, yeah. Cameron Diaz was oh, in it. She I was, was in it. Oh, right. Oh, gosh. She was there one of his. She was his girlfriend when the film begins, and Penelope oh. Cruz becomes the one he becomes infatuated with. Yeah, so you were kind of right on both fronts. But, but yeah, he Penelope was Cruz. performed opposite her with Night and Day, I'm That's sure, right. as well. That's right. Oh, there you go. Okay, right. So question number four, Brian Flanagan was Tom Cruise's character name in which movie? Brian Flanagan. Top, top Gun. What's, who was his name in Top Gun? Wasn't Brian? No. Doesn't sound like a Brian. Brian. I mean, right, Brian. Uh, Days of Thunder. Cocktail. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Do you know what? Uh, I may not have watched Cocktail. No. I haven't watched. No, I've not watched Cocktail. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good one. That's a good mm. one to watch if you like your cruise films. Mm-hmm. Okay, last question. This... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how tricky this is going to be, actually. Depends how many Mission Impossible films you've seen. How many Mission I Impossible this, films? I knew this was going to come up. Sorry. Okay, well, you know the question. Oh, start again. Start again. Well, how many Mission Impossible films have there been starring Tom Cruise? Do you know what? Before I came up, because I was downstairs doing my prep, <laughs> I said oh, to my husband, oh, how many possible movies ever? Because I knew this was going to come up. And guess what? I got distracted and didn't look it up. Uh, uh. I'm going to give you multiple choice, okay? Okay. It's going is to be like it three, four, five, or six? <laughs> is it five, six, seven, or eight? Five, I think. It's seven. You're kidding me. No, I know. Wow. Seven, I know. And as we know, the eighth is on its way. So, yeah. Yeah, well, you got three out of five there. That's pretty good. Got three out of five, didn't you? Born 4th of July. Yeah, yeah. I got um, born 4th of Cruise, July. Yeah, three out of five. Yeah. Solid. Hey. It's a solid score. Not too bad for me. I'm not, not very too... good at these quizzes, am I? But... Not, too sh- not too shabby. <laughs> not too shabby. No. So, I think I should just go straight on to Mission Impossible Dead Why Reckoning not? Part 1 then, shall I? Yep, go on, go for it. Okay, and so, it's hot off the press because you just literally watched know, it, haven't you? I don't think I've ever done a podcast so soon after watching one of the films. <laughs> literally three hours ago, I came out of the cinema. Okay, so this is directed by Christopher McQuarrie, written by Bruce Geller, Eric Yendrison, and also the director, Christopher McQuarrie, starring Tom Cruise, Van Rames, Simon Pegg, Hayley Atwell, Vanessa Kirby. So... I mean, I will read the synopsis, but it's not too dissimilar to most of the Mission Impossible films. So we open on a Russian submarine which holds um, the secrets of this AI system, which has become sentient, as they say, which has the ability to infiltrate all the world's various systems, organizations, and has become so clever, it's almost impossible to catch, kill, control. Anyway, so it's the whole AI story, which I suppose is quite timely at the moment. So this is held on this submarine and the submarine goes rogue or the system goes rogue and actually sinks the submarine with its own torpedo. Access to that entity, it's called the entity, can only be gained with two halves of a key, one of which is held by one of 
Ethan Hunt's old allies, Lisa Faust, played by Rebecca Ferguson. Now, it's funny this, isn't it? Two parts to a key reminds me of a film we were talking about in the last podcast, wasn't it? Indiana Jones, although that was that wasn't two parts to a key, but it was still two parts to to what to the was dial. it? To the dial, there you dial. go. Dial of destiny. Dial of destiny. <laughs> Anyway, so Ethan takes on the mission to find the key, gain access to the entity to control or kill it. But of course, it's a race against time because government organizations are all after it because it's already sabotaged military and banking systems all over the world. In their way is Gabriel, which who is this entity liaison, kind of there to guard and almost work for the entity. And he has ties to Ethan's pre- Mission Impossible past, and he has his own team of mercenaries. And we've also got someone brokering the deal, working um, with Gabriel, who's also trying to get both halves of the key, which is black market arms dealer Alana Mitsopoulos, a.k.a. the White Widow, played by Vanessa Kirby. So what ensues is the usual Mission Impossible antics. So we've got locations from Abu Dhabi to Rome to Venice, the Austrian Alps. Hunt has a new teammate in Hayley Atwell's Grace, a professional thief, and of course, his usual computer hacker helpers in Luther, played by Van Rames, and Benji, played by Simon Pegg. And yeah, I could go on and on and on. It's got the usual kind of double crossing and triple crossing and like who's who's good, who's bad, who's wearing a mask, who's not wearing a mask. It kind of at times ties itself in knots, but uh I'm not going to say any more. I'm going to pass straight over to you, Sarah, and see what you think. I was going to say that as well. Um, it's, it's got similarities for previous one films as well. Um, I really liked it. I think having just seen Indiana Jones, the special effects and stunts, I felt were far superior in in this. And some of them maybe will go, wow. And I was holding my husband's hand and squeezing it really tightly when, uh, you know, some of those scary high rise stunts that uh, Cruz likes to do and makes my uh, toes curl actually when, when I, when I see that, cause I'm so rubbish with heights. And then um, you've got the face of voice changing technology that they usually have and how it managed to look like a real skin. I, I have no idea. <laughs> those rubber masks that they show you at the start that's hilarious and they got this you know that this mission will self-destruct in five seconds of course they have to have that they got it fast running from ethan hunt trying to save the day and you know it's it's got all that all that you know goody baddie piece as well so yeah it's 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 entertaining and actually out of all the mission impossibles i have to say this is probably my favorite to date because some of them are a bit long i mean this is a long film but it's i felt it was fairly good pace and i was engaged pretty much throughout whereas in in some of the other ones i've kind of switched off on occasions i feel and i I was kind of almost thinking you know can this be compared u.s ethan hunt a mission impossible compared with british james bond as well and i was kind of sitting there thinking oh well you know actually to be honest i found this more engaging than bond as well, the last Bond film I was slightly weak in places, I think, comparison to this. And I'm like, uh, I love the banter with Benji Dunn, who's played by Simon Pegg, and 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 Luther Stokes, uh, played by Van Rames. I just they they just all look like they get along anyway. They've got a nice rapport with each other, and they they have their little jokiness, and and I think it's really well written as well. And the writer, one of the writers, is actually used to write the Big Bang Theory, and I think he's been brought in to to provide that light and dark 
because he's done also some scary stuff as well. And then you've got Rebecca Ferguson. I mean, I've been seeing her in Silo recently, and then she's in this as well as Ilsa Faust. Uh, she's the love interest for Hunt, holding on to that vital part of the key that they're looking for, the spies and villains are wanting to kind of rule the world. And then Hayley Atwell, who you know, you may be better known as Agent Carter from the Marvel series. I think she really loved the pickpocketing that she did. And, you know, it played, it was a nice little piece to the storyline as well. And uh, even, you know, Ethan Hunt was, was, was learning from her on that. And then uh, Vanessa Kirby, White Widow. And you've got Paris, who is played by Pom Clementif, who you may know as Mantis. And I think this is great. It was pretty much a 50 50 men to women lead cast, I would say. So, which is slightly unusual. You usually get one woman and lots of men or the other way around. And, and I think it was, it was good. And the girls looked tough. They were, you know, one of them was frail, which was Vanessa Kirby, but she had all these bouncers around her all the time. So she didn't need to fight. But, you know, you got Paris and Grace who uh, were, were kicking some butt, let's just say. So I thought, thought that was really good. I love the car chase scene. Ethan selects on his special gadgets that he has a safety car to, to get him out of a sticky situation because he's handcuffed at one point to uh, Grace and out comes, you see this really fancy cars and you think, oh, here we go. We're going to get the really fancy Porsche or Ferrari or whatever. And no, he gets a yellow Fiat, I think probably a yellow Fiat 500 or something. It was, yeah. That looked dated outside, but it was actually, you know, had a bit of slick tech inside. However, it was a little bit complicated how to drive it. And that scene was very, very cleverly done. The choreography on that was brilliant. One minute she's driving, one next minute he's driving. They then fly in the air. Next minute they swap over, and it's it's. I think it's hilariously funny. And then when she's trying to drive it, and they're going around in circles doing these. What do you call them? Donuts. Yeah. So she was doing that accidentally, obviously. And then you got Paris, who's chasing them. You got the CIA um, agents chasing them. You got the Italian police chasing Grace. And um, it's just yeah. Brilliant, brilliant scene in in Rome, that is. Uh, so I love that. And then um, all the shots, beautiful, some beautiful shots. As you know, they filmed in Norway. Um, I presume some of the cold scenes they filmed there. And interestingly, they had Abu Dhabi Airport was was featured there. But the shops in the airport were actually in uh, the Grand Central in Birmingham. So you know, <laughs> they did a lot of filming in the UK. There's a train scene that was in uh, Stony Middleton in Derby. CIA headquarters was actually the XL in London. So lots of British routes there, so which is great. I, I mean, Tom Cruise, he just doesn't age that much, does he? You see Indiana Jones, he obviously had to use some aging technology or AI to support there. I don't think they've used that on Tom Cruise. I just think he's just fit and healthy. 61 now. He's doing these stunts himself. He does all these running scenes and he's super, he looks super fast. Anyway, I think the next one I'm really looking forward to, I'm going to be honest, because I think it left it in a good spot. But I do think maybe he, they need to stop and maybe he needs to become a bit like Top Gun, a trainer to the new MF, MF, I know, MIF agent. Got to be careful what you say there because I, yeah, I like M I F agent. So maybe he could be a trainer or a, a spy that's maybe not out in the field as much going forwards. Um, but yeah, Rob, what are your thoughts as well? Well, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think the first thing that really struck me was probably about an hour into it. And I looked at my watch, not because I was bored, because I was like, wow, 
you know, this has been nonstop, pretty much action, but it's gripping action. Now, I watched the early Mission Impossible films, maybe the first, second, maybe the third at the cinema. I think I watched one of the others, like on streaming, maybe, but I'm not really like a hardcore fan. So for all I know, because my memory is not so great, this kind of nonstop action is what they've all been like. But this, you know, having just watched you referenced Indiana Jones. And I think that is quite an interesting reference point because that is a blockbuster film with a lot of action. The same as Bond as well, James Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. I was actually, we were actually having this discussion in, in the office the other day, the whole, you know, Mission Impossible now has got to the point where the stunts are so incredibly done. Obviously, we know all about Cruz's obsession with making them as as real as possible, as little CGI as possible. Obviously, he does his own stunts. There's always that one big marquee stunt. And, you know, that, that was the case in this film when he rides his bike off the edge of a cliff into a free fall onto the Orient Express. I mean, there's, everyone knows about it because it's kind of everywhere. But, you know, it's got to the point where you're like, you're right. Are these films actually better in some ways than James Bond? They may not have the heritage, of course, and they may not have all the Britishness, although he likes his British themes in this, doesn't he, with the characters and, like you say, the locations. But I was really quite, I was really impressed. I think that was my kind of main thing. I was just really impressed with it. The stunts, like I say, we've been so used to Marvel serving us up. You know, and they, you know, don't get me wrong, what they do on the whole, they do very well. We've we've seen it a bit sloppily, maybe in in some films recently, but it does make a difference when you kind of know that it's real. Clearly not all of it's real, but a lot of it is real. Or there's, I only spotted one point in this film, which was around the time of the train sequence, don't say any more than that that I could tell it was CGI. But even then, if I was to compare it to that scene that we saw from Indiana Jones when they were on top of the train, I mean, it wasn't as exaggerated as that, but the rest of it was flawless. And, And I think what he does so well, like you say, it's the choreography that he puts into it. I agree with you, even though that scene where he bikes off the cliff which is, of course, is kind of jaw-dropping. It, it is amazing. I actually think I prefer the scene with the Fiat because, <laughs> like you say, it was really funny. And, and it really surprised me that you have to respect Tom Cruise. He can do comedy really well. Like, it's very subtle, him trying to figure out how to, like you say, how to get that car going and as soon as he gets it going he just drives straight into a wall and he's trying to apologize and trying to be cool you know with uh with grace in the car and like you say all of that i i actually thought was brilliant i found it really entertaining he is quite good because he does that in Jerry Maguire. There's serious moments and there's funny moments, aren't there? Yeah. And he's he's got that look where he just looks at the yeah. the stars, his eyes open, and he gives them that look. Precisely, and not, and, it, and that's what you find you connect with him on that. And it's yeah. I think it's funny. Yeah, it's just subtle looks, isn't it? It's not you know, it's not necessarily doesn't have to be witty lines. He's just got that yeah. look yeah. where, where yeah. he just he's almost like okay, I don't really know, I don't really know what I'm doing mm. here. And I thought Vanessa Kirby, she was good as well. I mean, it was sort of nasty character, but uh, she played it really well as a being an evil villain. And I, I thought Haley Atwell. I got. Do you know what? I was couldn't work out who who Grace was at first. And I was sitting there going, "Is that Kate Beckinsale?" Surely it can't be Kate Beckinsale. Surely she's much older now. And but I noticed that it, she does look a bit similar to Haley Atwell. I think Kate Beckinsale. But I think Kate Beckinsale's a bit. She's smaller build. 
Um, whereas Haley's quite tall, doesn't she? So, so yeah, I was, I've then twigged, oh, yeah, that's right. She was Agent Carter. So right at the end, though, it took me a while. I was sitting there. You know, it frustrates me when I can't work out where somebody, I've seen that person before and can't really get your phone out. Look at IMDb, can you? So it no. bo- bothered me all the way through the film. But, yeah, she she played her role. I thought all the ladies played their roles very well, said so the men, and I just thought they just looked like they they were having a bit of fun as well. But I know they shot this during COVID times. They had very strict measures, obviously, and I know that in Italy there was, the, I think there was about seven of the cast or, or crew that fell ill, really ill with COVID. So, you know, it was also scary times because it was early, you know, the early COVID times. You know, there was reports of Tom Cruise shouting at his crew for breaching regulations or whatever during that time. And, you know, heard that on the radio or on TV. But look what they produced. They produced a cracking movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And those scenes in Rome when, you know, the car chase scenes, you know, going up and down steps. And and I know we see that in other films as well. But I was watching that thinking, like, how do they get permission to film in these locations? And and it looked just so, just, I don't know, it just looks so natural. It just looks so like mm-hmm. it's actually happening in that city. And also, just when you thought, like, there might be a break in action, like something else happens. And it's like they just ramp it up even yeah. further. And it's like, wow, like, he really does know. I mean, you know, he bangs on about it, but... He he does know how to entertain an audience. Uh, and I, I don't think there's anyone better now than Tom mm. Cruise and these and these films for, for what they offer. I think Bond is slightly different um, by nature of, like I say, the heritage behind it. But and I wonder whether, you know, Hayley Atwell's introduction to this, you, you get the impression that she's going to be around, or certainly the second part two. But, you you know, there's also something in this film which might lead you to believe that she could be there for longer. You don't know, but potentially. Mm. And I was a bit like you when I was watching it. You talk about Tom Cruise's how long can he go on doing this? Although, he, yeah, he's a bit like Peter Pan. It's incredible he's still doing it. I did think I could tell he was starting to age in the face, but it did make me think he can't. I know he says he wants to carry on a bit like Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford. Yeah. but it, I don't know. It's part of me thinks, how long can he really do it for? I mean, there's going to be obviously mm. part two to this. And I mean, it's probably wishful thinking to think he'll just start to step back at that point. So he doesn't strike me as the kind of person who wants to do that. He wants to push and push and push and push. But I really liked it. The only things that I found slightly silly, but that is Mission Impossible. And we touched on it before, those masks. I mean, like they put the mask on and it's so obvious that obviously it's just, it's the mask is so amazing. It's just just the other actor. And the whole kind of double crossing thing, at times it's hard to keep track who's actually on whose side. But that's, I suppose, part of the whole Mission Impossible thing. So you you kind of forgive it. And the mask thing has almost become its own gag in a way, hasn't it? So like you kind of forgive him for it. Yeah, Having watched Indiana Jones and then two weeks later watching this, for me anyway. But the mask, yeah, the mask thing was an issue for me as well. Well, not an issue, just, but yeah, you're right. Um, You just kind of brush it off, really, because that's what it it is. But I'm going to give it, um, I'm going to, it was really well done. I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. I think it was very well done. It's really interesting. I'm... I mean, I've only just seen it, and normally I like a bit longer for things to sink in. But the, just even in the times I've been thinking about it in those three hours, like it just keeps going up in my estimation, purely because 
I just don't think there's anything out there that's as good as this when it comes to just all out action hero stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it nine as well. Yeah. Cool. I was debating nine and a half or nine. You see, I wasn't going to go down. It was either whether I go up or not. So, so yeah, very good scores. Very good film. Go and watch it. It's at cinema and no doubt will be on demand. Not far away. Because they seem to come out very quickly these days. So the next one is one of mine, and it was animation last time, and it is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) That's all, Fox. I know, but a blend of Disney and Warner Brothers. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep my mouth shut until you've talked about it. So this was released in 1988. Uh, it's a rated a PG. We can talk about that. And it's one hour, 44 minutes. And I watched this on Disney Plus. You could buy it some other on-demand platforms, but Disney Plus was my go-to. You know, it's a world of, of Toon and humans together. Very similar effects to what we saw in 1996, Space Jam, The Song of the South in 1946. And actually, I suddenly thought Mary Poppins as well, 1964. And another one for you, 1990, Paula Abdul, Two Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. It was also another one, very similar animation with human real life footage as well. So we have a Toon-hating detective after the death of his brother, killed by Toon. Uh, that's why he doesn't like Toons. Take a job to prove the famous Toon, Roger Rabbit, is innocent of murder. That's very simply it, really. We have Bob Hoskins, who plays Detective Eddie Valiant. We have Roger, as uh, voiceover was by Charles Fleischer. Kathleen Turner, you may remember from Romancing the Stones series with Michael Douglas. It was the voice of Jessica Rabbit. And then we've got Christopher Lloyd appears as the evil Judge Doom as well. And I didn't, I forgot he was in this actually. It was nice to see, <laughs> nice to see him, but he was, he was menacing. Let's just say I watched this with my boys and on occasion I was a little bit worried what was about to be said because they, um, to be honest, they wouldn't be able to make a film like this anymore. They had a smoking man child. Uh, we have a very sexy Jessica Rabbit seducing many men. And Bob Hoskins actually meets her while she's performing on stage where ma- men are ogling at her and excited by her. It's about murder. You don't get murder in cartoons, really. I don't recall any other ones, to be honest. And somebody actually dies in this as well. And you don't get many PGs of this content, really. I think it should be 12, 12A, potentially. And the hilarious bit was the patter cake. I actually laughed out loud with my kids watching the patter cake scene, which was very innocently done. But it was um, very borderline naughty as well, because Roger thought she was having an affair with, with somebody else by playing patter cake. Um, and he was gutted and, and thought his marriage was over and everything. But the, the scenes like that. So really borderline. Should it be a PG? Um, you can tell me in a minute, Rob, if you want. The animation, however, is superbly done, winning three Oscars for Best Film, Editing, Best Studio, Sound Effects, and also Visual Effects. I really liked it because I watched it when I was younger, and I don't think I saw it at the cinema. I must have watched it on video or or VHS probably at the time. And I just thought it was amazing that they had this real-life world combined with Toon. I don't think I'd seen anything quite like it. I don't think I'd seen Mary Poppins at that point. And I remember going to Disney uh, when I was 13 and I bought this poster because I thought it was very cool of Roger Rabbit, 
this A2 poster or A1 poster. I had it on my wall when I was growing up and just because I thought it was cool. So that's why I've got this on my list. Very different to most of the other sort of Disney and Warner films. And I'd love to get your thoughts, Rob. So I was pleasantly surprised by this film. In my head, I was expecting the animation just not to work, to for, for it to feel really dated. I mean, dated from the point of view that the, the mixture of animation and live action just wasn't going to hold up because when, I mean, when was it? It's 1980, 1988. I just find it bonkers. I I thought it was great from that point of view. Yeah. Like I agree. It's almost like I was looking for, for just, you know, where the characters are interacting with the cartoon characters. I was almost looking for little bits that didn't quite work and I didn't really see it. And so that was the first thing for me. It allowed me to just get straight into it and go with it. I really liked the kind of worn out PI sleuth feel to it that you get from, you know, just reminds you of Hollywood from a particular era. I thought Bob Hoskins was great in that role. And I actually thought it was a really cool idea. And I couldn't remember how I'd feel, you know, how I felt about it when it first came out. But I just thought the idea of there being this Toontown and then there's like just a, a normal town, but, but there are, cartoons in it um, with all your favorites as well with all you your, exactly yeah. all the favorites Mouse there. To and, I, and, I, and I love that kind of thing there is there's some kind of quite serious stuff in there with eddie's brother being killed by a tune like you say and i thought it's really i know you know he was killed with a, because a piano landed on him and it was just that whole juxtaposition between actually quite quite serious films or serious themes and like just ridiculous outrageous slapstick cartoon stuff and you talked about whether it should be a pg i mean you're absolutely right there's no way this would be a pg now <laughs> and even i remember if if you and i was talking in the office about this i was saying i'm gonna, I'm, I'm watch, I'm gonna be watching jessica rabbit for some reason we got onto the subject of the sexiest cartoon characters and and we i just quickly put it into google so i was curious because i remember jessica rabbit and she's at the top of almost every single where they compile these lists she's always at the top and i think that's probably one of the things about this that you refer to at the patter cake it's almost like for all intents and purposes she might as well just be an adult character really yeah yeah and she wasn't a rabbit either i I kind of thought i couldn't remember whether she was a rabbit and she it's only she's adopted you know she's married to to roger Roger rabbit Rabbit. so she's she's like a human tune yeah she's a human tune exactly and the quality of the animation i thought was just really really good with her I actually thought that whole thing of there are adult themes in it that wouldn't cut it now for a PG made it more interesting and intriguing purely because mm. like you, you're not going to get anything like this, like ever, no. ever again like this. Yeah. It's almost like it's amazing moment in time where like they just got away with it or it just kind of works. Like um, carry on movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess so. I guess so. And I thought the whole thing of just the clever thing, well, it's not that clever, but I like, I like the device where you've got the evil, Judge Doom. I thought Christopher Lloyd was great in it. You know, I like the fact that you know there's this dip, and if cartoon characters go in the dip, it's the you know that's the way you can destroy them. And you know, there were parts of it that were really quite sinister and quite not massively shocking. But I think because you're kind of conscious, you're watching cartoons and you're watching like relatively lighthearted. Said it. I found it just a really well done 
curiosity in a strange way. I thought Bob Hoskins was fantastic in it. I mean, he is, he only had a short period of time when he was doing, I, because I, I looked, he did like obviously Mona Lisa, which is what he was kind of known for, and this and Mermaids and a few other kind of rob. But he wasn't around, if you like, in these big mainstream movies for particular long. I thought he was great in it, and it's just so nice to see him on screen. Gotta say, Kathleen Turner, the voice of of Jessica Rabbit, was great. Perfect voice for Jessica Rabbit. Perfect yeah. voice. And I really like the way that the humans actually use the cartoon props in the film as well. Mm-hmm. Like, so we have Eddie who is putting the past behind him, the days when he was a, you know, really sharp private detective, ex-cop. You know, we meet him when he's washed up, he's drinking, he he blames Toontown for the death of his brother. And because he kind of comes around in the film and he regains that spark and he opens this case and in this case is a gun. It's like, right, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, it's like, right, let's get my trusty old friend out. I mean, I'm back on it. And he opens this case and there's a gun in there. Of course, it's a cartoon gun. And all of the bullets have got their own personalities <laughs> yeah. and they're all jumping out. I just thought it's just yeah. so well done. And even when, you know, and even then, like you think, well, when he puts it in his hand, it's, you're just going to see it's not right. But it just all worked. Uh, it's a lot I, of detail, isn't there? A lot of yeah. detail. And I just thought the whole thing was just really good. I was really surprised at how much I liked it. Cool. So what are you going to give it? I think I'm going to give it... It's such an odd film. You can't even put it alongside any other film. I, I think I'm going to give it a nine. I'm definitely giving Ooh, it a nine. I'm giving fantastic. it a nine because I just thought technically it was spot on. Acting performances, thought the story was great. And it had just that interesting thing of these adult themes. You wouldn't get a film like this ever again. No. No, I mean, you would normally these sort of films, you would think, oh, it's safe to take a child to go watch it. It was safe to take a child to go yeah. watch it, but that, but it was tongue in cheek, very adult themes. And yeah, my, I mean, my, my boys enjoyed it, but I think my, my eldest one enjoyed it more than my youngest. Maybe it should be pitched at 12 plus potentially, but yeah, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. I thought it was really well done. There was a lot of attention to detail and it actually, it's quite nice to have an adult cartoon, or you know, live action and cartoon. The way they did it was brilliantly. So yeah, eight, eight out of ten, which is a good score. It's just I, I think I prefer probably these sort of films to be more for kids. I was a bit. I on occasion I was like, oh, what are they gonna, what are they gonna do? What? <laughs> and it was like patty cake, patty cake, and I just roared with laughter. It was just brilliant. So yeah, excellent. I mean, there's yeah, there's a, there's a few kind of saucy moments in it. Mm. Lots, lots implied, not on screen, but just in the script and mm. the characters. Which yeah, <laughs> it was very interesting. And it did come off really well, actually. The the quality. I, I mean, yeah. I watched it at Disney Plus, and I thought, well, oh, looks really nice and crisp. It looks good. So very good. One one to watch on Disney Plus. Definitely. Be afraid to watch a rabbit. So that brings us on to the newbie. Now we are now going to take about a month break because it's the summer holly bobs. So we will be back around mid end of August when the next podcast will be out. So we are going for Gran Turismo which is out on the 11th of August. So this is based on the unbelievable and inspiring true story of a team of underdogs, a struggling working-class gamer and failed former race car driver and an idealistic motorsport exec who risk it all to take on the most elite sport in the world. This stars David Harbour that people will know from Stranger Things and that Christmas movie. What was that Christmas movie we reviewed? I can't remember. Oh, it was called <laughs> Silent, Silent Night. Violent Violence Night. Oh, by, uh, Violent Night. Go. 
just looking at the cast, it's got Orlando Bloom in this as well. And the director is Neil Blomkamp, who did District Nine, Elysium, Chappie, etc. So Oh, now I'm now I'm now a, you're really now interested. I'm a lot more interested. <laughs> I didn't realise that. Okay, yeah. that, that's good. That's good. Good. Um, so I'm picking from your list as well. That's right. We've gone through all of our genres, so you're free to pick any genre. Ooh, let's go for adventure. Adventure. No, you like your adventures. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at my list. I've got 21. Let's go for your 21st entry. Well, the 21st entry is the Goonies. <laughs> oh, the Goonies. Oh, that's cool. We've been meaning to watch that with the boys as well. So, oh, well, there so you yeah. Go. Yeah, well, that, that ticks yeah. a box. I mean, good family fun. So, chunk. <laughs> Is it Chunk? Chunk. Is it Chunk? What, the, the, the chubby one? One of the characters, yeah, it's called Chunk, isn't it? Is he? Chunk. It's Chunk and there's the... I'm just looking. So we've got, of course, we've got Sean Austin, Josh Brolin. Forgot he was in this. Mm, Corey Feldman. Yeah. So this is a bit of a classic, really, 1985. And directed by Richard Donner, co-written by Chris Columbus and Steven Spielberg. And we have a group of young misfits called the Goonies. They discover an ancient map and set out on adventure to find the legendary pirate's long-lost treasure. Um, A good one to watch, definitely. That'll be good fun. It's streaming on Amazon Prime Video, and also you can rent it off most on-demand platforms right now. So you've got Sky, Apple TV, Rakuten, et cetera, et cetera. Lovely, lovely. So next time we will be chatting will be after, well, will be after my main summer holiday. I'm off to Spain uh, with the children. Looking forward to that. And where are you off to? I'm off to Disney. Disneyland. Oh, that's right. Of course you the are. Disneyland yeah. or Disney World? I don't know. The one in Orlando, Florida. Okay. Um, very sure much looking right. forward to it. And visiting Universal Studios as well. So I'm going to have... I'm going to have a great time just watching all the behind-the-scenes footage and how they actually do some of these stunts, et cetera, as well. Oh, that's going to be I'm amazing. Looking, yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be 35 degrees, though. It's going to be very hot. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm looking at this heat wave, hoping that it's going to calm down a little bit in the next couple of weeks. It's not that fun, is it, over in Europe at the moment? It's not that fun in parts of the States, I think, as well. As Come well. on, you see. It's either too cold or it's too hot. I know, I, I exactly. need it to be just right for my summer holiday. Yeah. Where's your summer holiday? We're off to an apartment not far from Marbella, just kind of up. Oh, nice. Just Might see some celebs. Yeah, we'll, we'll no doubt go down onto the strip, have a drink, yep. watch the Lamborghinis crawl past and all that kind of stuff. Nice. That'll certainly be one of the things we'll do. Yeah, very much looking forward to it. Good. We'll have a lots and lots of fun, and uh, nice to have a bit of a break for for you know for yourself oh, and absolutely. and for myself as well. And uh, I hope our listeners get to have a little break too. Yes, absolutely. I I mean I think you've trumped me there. Going to Disney World, it's going to be amazing. Well, it's once in a lifetime kind isn't of it? trips, isn't it? Really. So um yeah, we were going to go three years ago, but we had to cancel it because of COVID. So um I actually think my boys are probably at the right age now for going. So. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, I think uh, we're all, all looking forward to it. Whereas before, I think I think my husband and I were looking forward to it even more than the kids. So I think they're going to appreciate it more. Oh, definitely. Well, have yeah. a fantastic time. I hope everyone else out there has fantastic summer breaks. And we will speak again in August. Cool. Summer holiday. <laughs> Celebrate. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.